0: From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know that this is your most important event. It is their goal to make you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Thank you for joining us. My name is Chris Los. I am the Designer Relations Manager for Ayrton Lighting and Columnist for LD at Large. This is the LD at Large podcast. I am in beautiful Nashville, sitting with my good friend Keith Hoagland. He is the lighting director for Jason Aldean and the president of CKP Lighting LLC. We just had a wonderful dinner and it overflowed so much that we decided that we should make a podcast out of it and we decided we'd have a, a nice discussion. Uh, welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you. Uh,
1: Keith, Keith it's all of
0: Jason Aldean
1: <laughs> Thanks Chris, welcome for having me
0: I, uh, I really enjoyed our dinner that we just had We went to a beautiful place called Drifter's Barbecue in Nashville And we ended up talking for well over two and a half hours about everything that you've been up to And I just thought that this would be a great time to let everybody know kind of what you're up to And what you're doing these days I know Jason Aldean is your primary. He's the one keeping you the most busy these days.
1: Yes, he's my full-time client, um, amazing artist, uh, country artist, um, amazing friend, um, and a very nice boss.
0: And he keeps you busy on a on a
1: weekend warrior schedule primarily. Correct. We do typically for us, our touring schedule is we'll go anywhere from 7 to 11 weeks. and um, But our weeks are leave Wednesday and come home Sunday.
0: Ooh, that sounds nice.
1: I'm very spoiled. I've had my past of doing the rock and roll 10, 11, 12, 14-week runs, and then we're off for two weeks and back out that long. Um, I'm very spoiled with doing this.
0: And that uh, that gives you plenty of time to be at home. You can keep your projects going while you're at home. You can can leave on the Wednesdays. You just miss a couple of weekends here and there. Makes for a decent home life, I would imagine.
1: It is. It's actually... um, I'm able to be involved with my kids' schools. I can be there on Mondays and Tuesdays. Um, I take my daughter every Monday to school because she has a what they call a power Monday. They go an hour and a half late because they're coming out of the weekends. They think the kids can sleep in a little better coming out of a weekend. So I get time to take my daughter every day for Mondays. Um, my son's in college. I see him on Tuesdays for lunch, typically. Um, and then I'm home at night, so I can spend time with my wife we can address things, and honestly, it's, it's a, if you've done the rock and roll life, and then you get thrown this opportunity, and you look at it in the right way, it's the most amazing blessing to get both the bug of traveling and getting to do the touring, but you're also home.
0: On the West Coast, where we do mostly rock and roll touring, a lot of people don't even know that that sort of lifestyle exists. That you can do uh, a rock and roll lifestyle and a home lifestyle in those in those proportions. Uh, when I started touring, I was only aware of being out of town for three months, four months, five months at a time, and then you come home and you you just you have to save up that money. So,
1: I mean, saving up the money. I mean, the, the biggest thing. I mean, for me, it's it's not just money. I mean, it's the avenue of home life because you're gone for your three months, like you said. Now you're going to have to plug in back into your life with your wife and your kids, and they haven't – it's been the wife doing the father and the the mother aspect for three months, and now you're plugging back in. You've disrupted their life, and this allows – it's still a little bit there, but it's not as hectic and – I mean, it's it's a nice different. I mean, I miss the rock and roll stuff. I love my relationships from my history of bands I've been with. Um, Country is not always what I've done. Um, But, again, it's very spoiling doing this lifestyle. And we only tour seven weeks at a time, and then we're home for four months, and then we'll go do another seven weeks. So it's very uh, nice.
0: When you're home for a fair amount of time, what do you use to fill your
1: gaps? Um, plug my time into my kids. I mean, I my daughter's first year doing cheerleading. I spend a lot of my times on Tuesdays and Thursdays at ball games, oh. um, going and watching them and screaming and yelling being that probably embarrassing dad to my daughter. <laughs> um, but I just I didn't have that growing up. My parents were working all the time, and I promised myself if I had kids, I want to be a part of their life. Um, And I can see it. I mean, I can see a difference in their lives when I miss something versus I'm there, even though she won't wave at me at all
0: when I'm (laughs) at a game.
1: But afterwards, I get the biggest hug. Thanks for being there.
0: I just finished a book recently called The Boy Crisis, and it talks about one of the things that most children are missing these days is that constant support structure of a dad and a mom being around and present and showing support in what it is that they're doing. And a lot of people, when you're gone five, six months out of the year, you just can't provide that, where it sounds like you have a really good level of proportions where you're home and away and you can at least check back in often enough to let them, to remind them that that exists. I
1: try. I try. I'm not perfect at it. None um, of us are. I've found a lot of this out through my son. He's 18 now, um, and when he was younger, I was doing a lot of the long touring and stuff. Still, and I regretted that. And I can see. I'm thankful his temperament came out of it, where he and he kind of. I get it, Dad. You, you provided for me and Mom, but I'm thankful for that. Wow, it's huge, but. I said, I won't ever do that if I ever have a kid again. And our daughter was a surprise. So our son was planned. We refused to have kids our first nine years of our marriage. And so we said, all right, I think we're in agreement. Let's have a kid. And we worked with the doctor for two years to get my wife's health where it needed to be, educating me as a father what I need to be aware of doing what I do. Um, Her doctor was amazing for that. and then. When our daughter came, I'm like, I don't want to be that. I want to be present. And That's so, a big decision. I mean, it's it was good. I mean, it is it hard. It's still hard. I mean, I screw up. Um, I'm thankful I got an amazing wife that supports what I do. There's times when I'm home too much. She goes, don't you need to <laughs> go find a job and get somebody else to go on the road with? Um, but, I mean, it's I have an amazing family, and I'm very blessed because of that
0: do you find that when you're home for three days and then off for four days that you have that entry and exit friction? Or you guys have you been doing it long enough that you guys have worked out a schedule for
1: that? We hope we do. There's times where I will say we are getting better for that. Um, but there's times that I consciously have to, like where our bus call is to the drive home was about a 25-minute drive. We used to do it where the kids would always drop me off with her and kiss when they see the bus but the reentry, when they pick me up, I haven't decompressed off the bus yet. Right. Um, because you have to mentally, and it's not that I do anything other than I'm alone. Going home those 25 minutes, I don't turn the radio on. I call to say, hey, I'm on my way home. And she goes, okay, we'll see you in a bit. I hang up. I don't talk to anybody. And I just kind of enjoy the quietness. And it has allowed me to push out. No matter what's happened on the road, with either gear issues, crew issues, artist issues, whatever, I've been able to use that as a calming before I get home. And so when I pull in the driveway, it's it stays, it's back at the bus. Um, and I don't always do it right, but it's getting better. Um, and she does the same thing. She works hard on when I come home that I'm the father, I'm the husband. He needs to have his place as a household head and it's it's just we work together. it's a team effort. I mean that's the only way we can do it. That sounds like a very
0: healthy ritual where you've just been in, you've been in, surrounded by so many people and so much chaos and the the, the touring life is very hectic Did you just get that 25 minutes of pure calm quiet driving that sounds like a very healthy ritual to come back to to Decompress.
1: It's funny, I mean, I use it to help push it out. And the decompress will be one of those where I may get home and realize that wasn't enough time. And I'll just turn to my wife and go, hey, I'm scheduling tomorrow to go do my hobby. And I'm going to go do this. And I'm going to air out then. But until then, I can be a lit cannon. And she recognizes that. The kids sometimes don't see I mean, my daughter 11, she won't see it. Um, but I will say, for an 11 year old, she's very forgiving because when I have blown up, um, it'll crush me because I'll realize, what have I just done? And I'll go, honey, I'm sorry. Daddy's just stressed. It doesn't give me a right to be this way to you. And she'll come up and give me hugs. All right. I know, Daddy. I know you love me. Thank you for saying that. I forgive you.
0: Wow. And it's,
1: I mean,. It's heartbreaking. I mean, and my son always comes up and hugs and says, Dad, I know you're n- it's not personal at me that you got mad. He goes, It's okay. And I just I'm just thankful, I mean, for the three of the team of our family. We're and like I said, we're we struggle, I mean, we have blow ups. I mean, it's been a rocky last week because I am able to go do other events. And like last week I I got home on a Sunday from our my normal weekend warrior. Monday I moved into a hotel downtown, stayed in it, working in those Monday noon till Wednesday at three, I only slept six hours. The rest of the time I was in a ballroom programming or directing production and then I go right to the bus to get on and go do my weekend. I came home Sunday. Reentry didn't go real well. Um in that in I'm thankful because they get it, they know it, and my body, I mean, my body was worn out, I mean, it, it collapsed, I mean, I fell asleep for a long nap, got up, did a couple hours or something, then went right back to bed.
0: Because um, you don't live in Nashville, you're just outside Nashville.
1: I'm about a 45 minute to an hour drive outside of Nashville based off traffic.
0: So for you to drive back and forth wouldn't have been made any sense, so instead of, you just did a little stay...
1: Yep, I work my deals, and sometimes my deals won't do the hotel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'll immediately—I mean, if I know the event far enough out and the deal won't cut for the hotel, I'll a lot of times pay myself. The hotel will be in the room. It's yeah. worth it to me to give my best for my client, and it just becomes an company expense at that point.
0: I often find that I get the the worst of both worlds when I end up working in town a long time a long term gig. Because a bunch of people will come from out of town, and they will be 100% on that show. So as soon as 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 your 10-hour day is up, they're at the bar talking about the show. They go to bed for six hours, and they come back to the show. Whereas when I'm working in town, I go work for 10 hours. Then I have to go home, and I have to take out the trash. And then I have to put my kids to bed. And then one of my kids has a nightmare. And then I get two hours of sleep... And then I drive back, whereas they've just come from the hotel lobby. Oh, yeah. I don't know if a lot of people realize how important it is to just get a hotel room sometimes and pretend like you're the same as the
1: out-of-town guys. I've, it's helped me learn that my own sanity, and it may be because of my past of choices of addiction stuff to recovery, to those tools, to learn to care for myself. I want the best that I can give a client and the money that they're spending on me. I'm hoping to give the best because I want to repeat business Mm -hmm. in what I do. I mean, what we do is my philosophy is you have your name and you have your integrity. That's it. That's all you're guaranteed. And I'm hoping to keep both in what I do and repeat business for me is important. Um, some people don't care. It's, On to the next gig. Who cares? If they repeat, great. If they don't, who cares? The gig's done. And I don't want to be that way. I want relationships. Lives are too short. Like, you and I have known each other strictly through either email or a magazine or a history of what your past is Mm -hmm. or that, but we've, it's been interesting that you and I have built a relationship in the four or five times we've met, it's been very purposeful. Absolutely. Conversations. And that's where I want to be at 52. I want my relationships to be purposeful because who knows when I'll be gone. I mean, I, it could be on the way home tonight. I could die. I know it's not to be morbid. It's reality. Mm-hmm. And it's we're not promised tomorrow. But you know what? While I'm here, let's make it count.
0: Yeah. I, uh, in the last year, that has, hasn't has hit home more than than it has this last year where as lighting people we're we're doing a lot of things that are that are spectacular and they're beautiful and they're colorful but all we're really doing is creating emotions and working on making better relationships with our clients and with our audience and with our artists and i try not to talk about lighting functionality as much anymore because i know that it's it's more about relationships an emotion than it is about anything else, and I think that's why you and I end up talking more about anything about this than we do about lighting. Oh yeah, I mean, and how many gobo's something has, or how fast something can rotate.
1: I mean that stuff's cool, and it's I still so love cool. what I do. I oh, mean, absolutely and thankful, and it is cool. But I mean, I can pull that up on the web, or you can send me a, a rip sheet. Hey, we'll look at check this out, check this out, and then after we've done our quote work. Mm-hmm this is what matters, at least to me. I mean, and I find that with you. And a lot of people that I'm starting to spend more time with is they're realizing this does matter. It does. we're away from our friends. We're away from our families. And when I see fellow touring guys or other peers that I have this relationship with, it's such a joy. They get like, this is cool. I get to see my buddy today. Um, I Like, I have got sound friends that... I look forward when I do a corporate event and I see there, that artist on it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to see that person today. Who cares how much hours I got a program? I get to see that guy today. And I, I those are the things I love to see.
0: That's what I love most about festivals when you know that there's just gonna be a constant stream of friends oh, yeah, 100%. before and after you. And like sometimes I'll try and get the I'll try and get my artists to stay an hour longer or two hours longer to stay and so I can hang out with my friends.
1: Totally, I mean, and I'm that's one thing I do love about working with Aldine. He's very social, and so and he's same way with other artists that are on a bill or whatever. So we typically, I mean, right now in our in his career, not my career, his career, um, he, he's the headliners for a lot of these things, and so we will be the last act. But even some of the sums that festivals we've dropped into um not necessarily recently but in the past years i've been a part of where he may be second to the headliner like especially like a george Strait deal where king of country i mean nobody's going to argue with that george will close period and we were grateful that we're able to be right in front of him or whatever and we'll stay past his show just because he wants to see his friend mr Strait and this and that and that's one thing I do like about Aldean. I mean, it is relationship. I mean, he and I rarely talk about work. It's usually about his kids, my kids. I'm thankful I live within a couple of miles of him. Uh, we're in the same community, school community. His kids are active in school programs and all that. And so it's always fun to communicate. And it's everything you just said about building relationships. and And I think that's why things click. More now,
0: yeah. And you said uh, your daughters are in the same school district.
1: We're in the same school, we're competing schools. She's in the rival school against my daughter, (laughs) and it's whereas my son just graduated last year, he was in the competing high school against one of his daughters. Wow, and so it's fun because what I do love about it is we'll always take off, he always takes off for his kids' spring break. I get my spring break off, so I get the plan events and different holidays because we're in the same school district
0: what a unicorn situation you have there it's you're on the same schedule as your client
1: 100 that's amazing it's really weird when where we're at now where he lives and then me and then his mom i'm in the middle and it's it's how did that work
0: out how did you guys get introduced
1: um we got introduced back in oh i would say actually oh seven for a festival. I was the designer for the festival and board hopping a certain stage that was a country stage. I knew his management at the time. He just recently signed, and I called the head manager and going, hey, if you send me a board tape and a set list, I don't care the order yet, but just the songs, I'll program you a show in lieu of if you ever decide to do a headlining tour, you give me first crack at it. Wow. And that night show went great i loved his music he he and i connected um afterwards i got asked hey can you come do some festivals and fair dates with us and hey we got a fall tour in uh, 08 coming out and we want you to be there for the summer of 08 and so i joined him in the summer of 08 and went through the headlining tour um and then we did a wide open was a live dvd that i got to help design for him and put it together, and then I had other clients. I said, I can't finish. I'll put somebody in play. Uh, put a great friend of mine It was one of my crew guys, amazing, talented board op programmer, designer, and he did it for four years. And then he Jason called back in 2013 going, I think I can afford you to keep you full time if you want to. It's up to you. And management, we all worked a deal out. And um, he gets first crack at me no matter what.
0: You literally struck while the iron was pumping hot there. Yeah. He didn't – he needed a guy. You were a
1: guy, and you made a – I threw an offer. Um, the manager that was with us, it's Maverick. Uh, Clarence Spaulding is the head guy. He and I um, – he's old school. He and I have a handshake deal. Um, and, then, like I said, to go back to reward and integrity. That's 100% Mr. Spaulding. And um, – just our deal for that, and we knew him from early on years of me being a young crew chief and just a button pusher on an IntelliBeam controller.
0: Oh, man. And he was
1: a day-to-day manager guy at that point, and now he owns a company and got bought into the Maverick system, and he owns the Nashville segment of Maverick worldwide. And um, so we just he and I cut a deal, and it worked. Jason and I connected, and... I'm very honored and lucky that I mean, even after leaving for four years, he called me back and says, "I would love to have you come back." And it's like, if you would be willing to. And wow. We we cut the deal. Um, he and I are. I, mean, I I feel like I can say. I mean, he and I are friends. We connect on a personal level and family level.
0: Well, you guys have been through uh, some thick and some thins. You some you've been through them through some real tough times
1: um very much so we there was an incident that has happened um,
0: uh, Just to uh, preface <laughs> this I've, I've tried having this conversation with uh, with Keith a few times now and I can never get through it without tearing up but uh, that's why we decided to have this conversation but I, I want I want you guys to hear Keith's story about one in particular one festival in particular so I didn't I just wanted to preface what you're what we're talking about? Yeah, this,
1: is, this has opened up a story, Chris, and I've talked about um, what he's referring to and what we've. Um, some of us have gone through. Um, we went through what twenty-two thousand people, uh, Las Vegas, October first, twenty seventeen. A uh, person decided to um, take target practice at all of us while we were on stage. This was
0: the Route ninety one festival in Las Vegas, uh, just outside the MGM or the.
1: Mandalay Bay. Mandalay
0: Bay, mm-hmm. which is an MGM resort.
1: Correct. And you were? I was board hopping. I was actually in front of house. We were into, I think it was our fourth song, uh, Barstool. And um, we're hearing things go off, not really knowing. Audio guy at front of house and I are turning back and forth. Really trying, like, what is this? This is not sounding right. I mean, and realistically, I mean, what several things came up. We're like, I mean, who's the idiot? She, mean throwing firecrackers right now and because we thought it was all right at front of house
0: it's las vegas everything's noisy everything's flashy
1: but this was loud this was definitely distinct different and we were something's not right i mean the band hadn't figured out anything yet we hadn't figured out um and then one of the volleys when we got into a song when she says baby this was the song that we didn't get to complete for our crowd and that's when um the true mayhem broke loose i mean volleys automatic fire volleys from this person um hit front of house um shrapnel stuff hit all around us and that's when we realized this is not fireworks this is gunfire and we need to it's action let's do what we need to do
0: you have your headset on
1: in ears are in headset in i have my uh headset on and my in ears. I have an open mic where I can hear things around me. People can walk up and talk to me. So I'm hearing everything live instantly. Um, so we immediately tell the stage, get everybody off stage immediately. We, I mean, kill the stage, tell the spotlights to go out. They're hearing ricochet around them, even the operators and the polls for the spot ops. I mean, it's like, we got to hunker down. I mean, we don't know, at this point, we don't know what's happening, wh- where it's coming from. We didn't know it's coming from the Mandalay Hotel area. I mean, because you don't know. Because you, you don't expect it. Everybody's facing the stage. Everybody's having a good time. I mean, you, this is a party. This is the closing night of an amazing festival that had been there. We, I mean, we've been there before. We know the environment. Um, and then somebody makes a bad choice and does something stupid.
0: And you were still talking to um, Follow Spots? On follow Spots, Clearcom. I've got
1: a Dimmer Beach person that I'm telling that person to get down. She That person I need to immediately tell people on stage to get out of there. Um, we turn the mole lights and everything on because here's the deal. Route 91 is not just Vegas-based. It's a nationwide, and there's some people worldwide that come to that festival yearly. They don't know the exits, We turn the house lights on for people can see. Absolutely. And that's just, I mean, I know there's a lot of people that have, you can go back and forth and volley back and forth, but what's the best way for someone to see an exit? Turn the lights on. And that's what we did. I mean, that was the first thing. I mean, when they came back to my console, my in-ears are still laying over the desk. My headset is just laid nicely on the desk exactly the way I left it. I mean, it's just one of those where we were. I was the last one at front of house to go underneath the riser to get down because we. That's what needed to happen. I mean, we needed to make sure all, all. We have a front of house camera. We have a whole sound team at front of house that we put underneath the riser. Our vendor had their whole department were there because they were debuting a new PA. So everybody was there. I mean, so. I mean, it is scary. Um, I can't change what's happened in the past. All I can do is go forward. Do I have memories of what I saw? 100%. And it's like it happened yesterday. I mean.
0: The amount of confusion that would have been surrounding you at the moment, because with the lights out, being in Vegas, it must have taken you minutes, what I would imagine felt like hours, to figure out exactly what's happening you you're a you're a gun enthusiast hundred percent
1: I mean you I know I the love sound
0: it. you know yeah I the power. Shoot. correct and we're both uh gun owners, and we both know that what the sound is, and we know what i mean I could tell you on a range, but in the middle of a concert, I can't tell you that sound I've never heard it before in my life, not at a concert in
1: most it's the people only won't. person I do the yeah, only I mean, person
0: I know that has ever heard that sound
1: I didn't know what the, that sound was until that happened, and then I realized, because it, it, you don't expect to hear that at a concert. Even when, I mean, I'll even go say far this, even when I've had artists have gunshot sounds in their soundtracks, they don't sound like the real thing happening. I mean, it's a soundtrack. It's totally different when you can hear the sounds going off, and you actually hear that sound Whizzing by you and hitting everything around you. you used I mean my desk where I put my hands. If you know a Grand MA2 console, you have the three big monitors and you have the little nine inch number two monitor that comes up. I took a slug into it. And the I mean, government team that came and worked the event after this happened, they took the slug out of it. But that console took a slug in that monitor. The rest of the desk working. I got it home. We They released it to us. I turned it on still. And it still worked without number two monitor, but that hole was still there. To this day, I have the chair that I used that night, and it has a bullet hole in it, and I will not fix it. It's I love my stealth chair. Um, I'm not trying to promote product. It took a bullet shot all around us. They took a slug out of it, and it's as big as my pinky going into it. And that is a reminder of how lucky I am to still be here today, because the agents were saying the people that stood at this desk and here should not be here.
0: Wow, I mean that one gets me. So that one gets me. Uh, before I ever had a chance to talk to you, I'd had a chance to talk to the guys that went to pick up the cases and the radios, and they went through the the uh, the trailers to get the radio cases, and just everything was riddled with bullet holes, and that just makes me think about the, how many people we're on the road with and all the artists and all the, the audience members that we're constantly surrounded by and how one one ridiculous, out-of-his-mind person has the, has the power to affect all of those people and uh, to think that we're all... So vulnerable, and yet there's there's so many things that we can do. Um, after having lots of discussions with you and lots of people on social media about it, I, the best I can come up with is I have a panic button on all my show files now that does e- basically exactly what I think you did: is stage to blue, work lights up as as much light as you can provide, uh, and that's the that's the best I, I can think to do. I. I, I
1: I mean, it's it's one of those, I mean, you could do what ifs and what ifs. I mean, I, mean, I can tell you this. We went as far as we've had some amazing uh, people we've met since this incident, um, some security teams, different people that are retired SFs, um, special forces. Um, and it's really interesting because I've gone as far as meeting with, uh, there's one person in general I won't name-wise, but, I mean, he's designed software, and I turned him on at how, to uh, uh, M.A. Works and told him how to get it on PC, software is free, you can download it and just play with it to see how it internally works. He took it and has figured out how to make a software trigger the console so I can write a sequence thing that it can, because it, every gunshot has a signature sound. I mean, flash, whatever, and he has figured out how to write software that recognizes that. Wow and even from if you hit play on your laptop and do a gun sound it can tell a difference between an audio triggered and the real life because there is signature sounds um, this guy's a specialist um, th- has worked for our government and I'm so thankful he's served our country um, he's an amazing man but he we've played with that software but it's at the same time it's Do we really, because he was like, well, let's take all your movers and I can trigger it to make it a pinpoint focus position and just blind the crap out of the guy. And we're like, we said, we'll we'll be cool, but do we really want to do that? Because now he's, most of them are not ready as we, as most law enforcement will have explored to us. We're going to flee, fight, defend type of thing, Mm -hmm. fight or flight. I mean yep. and so when we're going to fight most people that are stupid enough to do an action like to harm people or whatever they're not mm-hmm. ready for the fight. So I mean yeah maybe this will distract a person but if that person panics he may do more damage by spraying more people or whatever mm-hmm. and so I mean it's still there's never going to be a concrete answer to be honest. Everything I find, everything I've talked to law enforcement from high government levels to military-based folks. Um, I'm thankful that I have been able to get to know more of our military. I'm so thankful to men and women that serve our country. I mean, that gets me choked because, I mean, I I couldn't do it because of my health. I got a DQ'd out of it when I tried to enlist. But it's so cool to meet these people, and um, just what they do. And there is no right answer to, okay, if – there's going to be this shooter. We'll take it out this way. It's all hypothetical yeah. until it happens. And then why they train so many different ways to do something, hopefully maybe one of those ways will help take out that person that is doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. But every incident's different, and it can be its own storybook. That's why people study what happened to us so much in the way we do concerts now. I mean, the way security is. It changed the way we do our industry on how we protect the fans, the crew, and the artists these days.
0: I have elevated uh, respect for any tour security that I've ever worked with there. I thank all of them. I give them huge hugs and handshakes, and I thank them all the time now because I know that 99% of their job is fairly mundane, but the one percent of the time that their job is not mundane, it's life and death. It's crucial. And that's why they make what they make and that's why they deserve the respect that they get. And you know, they need to be able to hop into action at any time. Cause I'm I'm in no place. I'm a I'm an artsy I'm a theater nerd who loves rock and roll and looking at pretty colors and stuff. And I am in, I'm in no place to be defending or fighting for the lives of my, uh, my audience. Yeah. So. I
1: mean, I, I never wish that on anybody and I, I never wished for what we went through to anybody and I can't change it. All I can do is hopefully never happen it again. Um, but unfortunately we're, in a scenario of we have to prepare when. Good chance it may not ever happen, but at the same time, mm-hmm. we have to prepare for when. I mean, and that's just what we do. And um, we have plan of evacuation plans. Our security team now does. People are – Live Nation's huge in helping us with this stuff. They're looking at new things on how to do things to get better because they want to protect people too. Um, but it's, it is I, – I love pretty things. I love – doing my colors. I love hit and go just... I mean, I I kind of relate it to be. I want to be the fifth Beatle. <laughs> I want to be that band member. I, I'm not that good to be up on that stage, um, but I want to play along with them. So I love playing my lighting console right along with them.
0: So tell me a little bit about the, the next week or so of your life after that. I would imagine you still love colors and you still love hit and go. and still Obviously, love it that. hasn't stopped you.
1: No, sir. Um, I'm not going to let somebody that had a bad choice... Um, to do what they did to stop what I love, um, we um, we got a phone call, or I didn't. Management and the band got a phone call to come do Saturday Night Live immediately following when this happened. Um, and he goes, "Let's go." Jason said, "Let's get back on the horse." It's kind of the same philosophy. I mean, you fall off the horse, I'm not going to be afraid of it. I'm going to get right back on it, and that's what we did. I mean, we ten days afterwards, we got right back and we canceled. One weekend out of shows, we went back on the road for three more weeks to, as we affectionately put it, I mean, let's finish what we started. This was not fair for those folks. And I will even say, even to this day, we're coming, I mean, this coming October 2020 will be three years. I mean, we're still seeing folks come to our shows that are just now processing their first show since that. Everybody does not process things the same. And for us, I mean, there's some of our crew that sometimes gets, hey, we're over, we need to move on. You're right. Let's not define us, but you know what? We need to be compassionate enough for our fans and patrons because that's why we have a job, all of us, Mm -hmm. is these fans. I mean, and it's still emotional. Some people's lives are completely wrecked still. And it breaks my heart. I mean, I'm in some of the support groups on social media. Um, just most of it for me to listen, to see what's going on. My heart breaks for a lot of them. Some of them haven't taken the time to go find somebody, go talk to somebody, get the therapy help. Therapy's not shameful and not bad. It's help. And learning to talk it out and having that ear that they may not have experienced that, ex- that emotion or that thing, but they maybe go, hey, think of it this way. And it may be just that, that can be a paradigm shift to go, oh, that's the release I needed. We're not trying to erase your memory. We're just trying to be able to move on past it and go, that's great, we can't change it. But this second moment forward, yes, I can. I can go a minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day.
0: I would imagine a major part of that is just acknowledging that it even happened. I would imagine there's a lot of people who can dissociate and try and convince themselves that it didn't actually happen. They're like, well, the the odds of that happening are one in a billion. So maybe I made it up, maybe I maybe it's not real. Maybe I'm making this up in my own head.
1: Yeah, I mean you I mean yeah, I mean there's a lot of it. Is it's our brain is a very amazing organ. It can create things and we can get to that state of fantasy of, this didn't happen, and ignore it. Um, I relate it to a highly concentrated can of Coca-Cola or soda pop. If you shake that enough, there's a good chance it's going to go off, especially if you shake it and freeze it. The container is going to explode. I was that child growing up where I used to hold emotions in and shelve them, not um, share them, not have them. I was taught as a man, you don't need to have those. Um, It is what it is. I can't change what my family taught me growing up. But what I have learned is emotions are good. They're there for a reason. I don't understand a lot of it. Me neither. But... I've learned to quit being ashamed of it. And um, that's actually helped a lot with um, my marriage because, I mean, it's one of those, I mean, you kind of have those that book that was what women are from Venus and men are from Mars. Mm-hmm. It's like, what kind of, that's a stupid title. But it's like, wait a minute, you're from two different planets. Yeah. And made the same and all that. I'm like, okay. And women are very emotional. I don't get it. I mean, you don't need to. It's just I still love her, and it'll be until I die to figure that out. And then at the same way I'm wired to control chaos. But having to learn to let chaos run amok and go, it's okay. Uh-huh. I don't need to control that. I don't need to fix my wife. Mm-hmm. I don't need to fix this idiot that what he did to 22,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm okay with that. I don't like it. I can be angry. I can be mad about it. And it's okay to have anger. Mm-hmm. What do you do with it? That's the matter. Don't take it out on your friends. Don't take it out on your family, your wife, physically or emotionally or verbally. I mean, you can do more damage sometimes verbally to somebody than you ever did if you punched them right in the face and be done with it. Yeah. Um, I've learned that badly. I mean, I've been on the receiving and giving in. Um, I don't know, it's, I mean, trauma is really, it's an unknown territory because that's why so many people are affected by it. And everybody affected is different. I mean, you have 22,000 cases of a trauma from one incident and they're not, every one of them is different. And that's what makes it so hard to try to understand why this happened, what really happened. Because there's things that I remember and everything that we're at a point where we don't talk about it. Not because I'm trying to hide it. I don't have the physical proof, but I have my memory. Mm -hmm. Um, And trauma sometimes can block things out, and we've done some stuff with that. And when I've come out of a lot of that uh, sessions and stuff, it's like, whoa, what you have been saying beforehand and after and all this, it all lines up. Because our brains are very much a recorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's scary is, I mean, we've talked a little bit about before, is the secondhand trauma. Because the one thing, when all this was going down, I had to say my goodbyes, because we thought we were going to be goners. I mean, that's how bad it got at front of house.
0: I know how much... Conversation I had back and forth with my wife when we were thousands of miles away from the incident. Uh, I used to live in Vegas, and I, I was not far from there. But uh, my wife and I had multiple conversations about what would, what, how our lives would be different if I was, or if we both of us had been any closer. What was your conversation with your wife? How did your wife find out? How did did she know before you? During
1: no. after. She found out from me from a phone call um unfortunately, beforehand um I couldn't get a hold of her when it actually i mean I'm laying under the riser. we're taking shots at front of house and hearing all this go down, so I did what I thought was the next best thing. I want to tell her how much I love her and my kids and stuff, so I did via via voicemail um long length of it, so she has this recording that had all these sounds, and when I'm saying sounds, it's people screaming, people crying, me sharing my heart, and she unfortunately hears gunshots. I'm thankful I got to talk to her before she heard that. What I wasn't able to do and I wish I had the power, and there was no way for me to do this, I wish I had the power to erase that voicemail before she heard it. She's experiencing from secondhand trauma because of my voicemail. Because our brain, she didn't get to experience it physically, but because our brains are such an amazing organ, she listens to my voicemail, and she makes up Everything, all these sound effects she is hearing that are in real time, she makes up what I go through. Unfortunately, that's where secondhand trauma can be worse than firsthand trauma because she has no tangible of a definite yes or no or what happened. It's only what she can make up. So our brains, unfortunately, a lot of times make up the worst. Mm -hmm. And that's what she did. So she's been, both of us have been diagnosed with PTSD. Um, I've pushed out of mine. And she, it's been really cool. About eight months ago or so, she got pushed out of hers. Her doctor's trauma counselor was like, you know, I think you're, I'm not going to say you're healed, because at any given time, something can trigger and put us right back where we were. Mm -hmm. Hence, that's why the PTSD is such a strong, thing now I mean because it's I mean there's things that I hear I mean um, something happened it was actually it was today at lunch I was at something happened in the restaurant I immediately turn and look my senses are so much more heightened now about everything and what we do so um, I can't change that like I said I mean but I mean she's gone through counseling it was huge She's been scared to death at restaurants where she gets under the table because a building was getting demolished a block away and they didn't do the sirens like they normally do. They'll do three whistles, then a long one, and then you usually hear the explosion. They didn't do any of that. And she heard it. It just, it triggered her. I mean, she screamed in panic. Of course, luckily, the other people were screaming in the restaurant. I wasn't there. Um, I wish I was because I could. Hopefully help her through it, but um, that haunts her to this day um, with anxiety. But I mean, it's there's things I I mean that trigger me. like if someone I mean if there was a loud door, I mean near us right now, I mean I would probably not necessarily jump, jump, but I'd turn around and go, well, "What that was." I'm just more aware of my surroundings, unfortunately now. But at the same time, it's a good thing. I mean, I'm training my kids. I mean, my kid found out, my son at the time when it happened, he got to find out how many exits are in his high school because that was the number one. Qu- when I came home, I said, tomorrow you're going to school. You need to tell me the exits. Yeah, there's only the front and the back. I mean, there's four. Wrong answer. I want to know every exit in that school. Came home and told me there's 21, Dad. And we have an, we had an exit plan of where he would meet me if something happened like that at school. I mean, I want to protect my family.
0: Yeah? I mean,
1: so same thing with my daughter, 11 years old. At the time, actually, she would have been, she was nine when it happened. She and I went through an exit plan, regardless of what the teachers and stuff. I was like, here's what we need to do. And she f- went and found every exit in her elementary school. So she knew how to get out if something happened.
0: That's a lot for a nine year old to take in.
1: It is. But I wasn't going to hide it. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's the world we live in.
0: Daddy goes from being rock and roll, LD, rock star, king of the world guy to possible shooting victim. in, yeah. And it makes everything so much more real and so much more immediate.
1: 100%. You're
0: like, I'm going to say I love you every time. Yep. Whether you want me to, you know, you're nine. Yeah. We're eleven now. Right. Nine and eleven-year-old girls hate having daddy say gu- goodbye. I love you, yeah. smoochy, smoochy.
1: Yeah, but I mean, now I'm
0: going to do it every. I'm going to do it every time now.
1: Yeah, she. I mean, she does even when I go leave the store. She comes. I goes, hey, daddy, I, I want to hug you. I mean, and it's and more. It's it's more not fun now, but I mean, I wasn't going to hide the tragedy from them because it's right. real life. I want to be. a my purpose was with it is I want to work through it with them. Same time I'm working through my stuff. My wife's working through her. I want to work through with them because we're, we're in this together. I mean, it didn't just happen to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was at ground zero with it, but it affected them because I mean, they could have lost their dad that night. It's just same incident when men and women go over. I mean, and I'm not trying I, and I'm saying the statement, not because I do not equal anything with the military but i what was very comforting to me is some of my combat vet friends and i love i ride my, my hobbies motorcycles and we ride a lot with a, co- combat, a lot of combat vets they said now you have probably the most equal understanding what we might have gone through you can relate to us except i didn't get ha- i didn't have the cool tools to, to shoot at, but mm-hmm. and that i actually said that to a special forces guy and he goes you know what he goes but you were in the same boat, helpless boat as I was when I've been in a gunner ship flying in overseas and we're just taking on fire. We can't fight back because there's 16 of us all in this little thing that's really meant for eight. Mm -hmm. We're all elbows to elbows. We can't pull our weapons and we're still taking fire. And he goes, now, he goes, I don't, I can't put it as, I'm not stealing their valor at all. He just helped me understand that's what we went through. You've now gone through this. You need to go through the same therapy training on the backside of debriefing as we did because that's how realistic it is. And that helped me really understand to get help. Because here's somebody that's protecting our country and done this and truly with people that hate them, shooting at them. And I don't, I'm not saying this guy, whatever, what that person did, but it was just... It helped me have a relationship to go, okay, I'm not being weird having these thoughts. That's why these combat vests, no, you're not. These dreams, you, you might, some people don't. You might have. We've got to process them.
0: What's been the most helpful for you to get therapy on tour? Are you getting it out on the road
1: or is it all at home? We were very thankful. Um, management, um, we um, there's a company here in town, Music Health Alliance. I mean, ironic, my wife works for. Her. They helped put a one of the top trauma therapists in this area, let alone I think in the country, um, out with us, um, Dr. Lee Norton came out on the road with us. Management got her to be, have a bunk on the bus on one of the uh, buses out on the road, and they brought her out. MHA helped deal with grants and stuff to pay for her to be out there. So if the folks didn't want to take up their home time for sessions, she would do them on the road with us. And she did those three weeks afterwards with us. And our first week back the following year, she came out for the first weekend.
0: That's amazing. I keep hearing about more and more resources like that available uh, MHA, like the one you yeah. mentioned, uh, yeah. Tour Support, mm-hmm. which has a partnership with BetterHelp. Mm-hmm. Um, Music Cares is Music another Cares, great one that did it. Behind the Scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, even uh, Chris Lyle here in town, he's got the the career Tour Career Workshop. Mm-hmm. And I know they have a, a, a fund available for anybody who needs it. And I, I don't know how much of it is being used constantly, but I know it's available to anybody that needs it. And yeah. knowing that... Resources like that are available. Is it makes me really want to get the word out that that we're doing that. I'm I'm using it, and it, yeah. it it's helping it works. me. It works. Yeah. I go to a dentist to have my teeth taken care of. I go to a yeah. go to a doctor when my body's falling apart, and I go to a therapist when my mind's falling apart. And so
1: I mean, and it's weird. So most people think of a therapist. We're going to go after it's broken, right? Um, I will champion it past that, I've been seeing my therapist for 15 years. Um, I was lucky when this went down in the 2017. Um, the gentleman I already, that I do f- dealing with my marriage to dealing with me directly with my good and bad choices, um, he was one of the counselors dealing with the Columbine shooting in Colorado. So he, I didn't know that until this thing happened. And he asked, what's your, I mean, background on this? And he goes, I was one of the counselors with the school kids and all that. I was like, okay, you're qualified. The helpful for me was the therapy, because of having all that, it gives me a place to go share that I don't have to worry about where it goes. And it's a non-biased person that knows me so well. The cool thing is he knows if I'm bullshitting them. Most of us People that I found that we're on the road that we we relate to Carney, we're really g- good at conning somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's what we do. I mean, we're smoking mirrors. We we learn how to do a magic trick. We take, I mean, anywhere from a van and a trailer to thirty semis and g- completely build a city inside of a building in less than twenty four hours. Erect it, perform it, destruct it, and move on. And that's a very unique job that we do Mm -hmm. most patrons and civilians have no clue what we do and they're like oh my gosh you just did this and um to do that i mean we know how to do smoke and mirrors really really well Mm -hmm. and i think having somebody that you can share with and that knows you as a therapist that can smell i mean smell the bullshit i think it's huge i mean and that's for me I was blessed to have that already. My wife got the experience, because that didn't work for her, I mean, he, um, to use him. So she went to Dr. Lee for over a year, um, courtesy of MHA. Um, but, and that was huge, that therapist. I mean, getting that ear and helpful balance to sort through your, what you may think, hey, my wires are crossed. And they may just say a few things that, all right, wow have a new idea now.
0: Tell me a little bit more about MHA and what they do and who they help.
1: Music Health Alliance is who MHA is. It's a nonprofit here in Nashville. Um, They are a health advocacy company. Um, They help us navigate, and when I say us, anybody in the music industry. Um, They provide this service. You call them up. Hey, I need help with this. And, And when I say help... I need help paying my bills. They may not pay bills for you. They may help you figure out a company that can help you or figure out how how come your medical bills are so high. Or I don't understand this medical healthcare thing that happens from November to first of January that we gotta sign up for um, every year. I don't know how to navigate this. I don't know all the options. That's what they do. They help navigate it. They have, right now, eight full-time advocates that I mean, are completely federally licensed. They deal with the HIPAA laws, so it's 100% protected. Everything you share stays with them, just like you do with your doctor or anything else. But what was really cool is if you have a medical issue example, say you're getting ready to have a kidney transplant, and I'm going to have it tomorrow, um, the hospital is going to call. typically, the, the county office will go, call you and go, hey, you need, you're need. you having surgery tomorrow. You need to send $25,000 in tomorrow or you're not going to have this surgery. Well, that's against the law to do. So to have somebody help fight you for that, you would call up your advocate at MHA. I just got this phone call. I don't know what to do. I'm scared. I, I can't have the surgery. No, no, you're having surgery. Let me call them. And they can call on your behalf. And the things I've seen Tatum and Ms. and the ladies at Music Health Alliance do in this medical town here in Nashville, and when I say you don't have to live here to get their service, you can be anywhere in the nation and work in the music industry and use their service. Um, they go toe-to-toe with all the medical insurance companies. They fight the CEOs. I mean, I've seen them have a hospital CEO completely rescind him, we're not gonna use that insurance and within twenty four hours, yep, we're taking it now. Because those ladies have called and used their resources either to stop donors from giving money or because this it's just hurting people. They want to help people. Mm-hmm. And that's that's bottom line, their whole goal, Tatum and Sheila and them, they love they just hated seeing artists lose their earnings and lose their homes just because healthcare is so expensive. And they're trying everything they can to help give you ways to still have it and still live a great life. And if they can make it easier, that's what they do.
0: It's so tricky for us because some of us are employees. Some of us are freelancers. Some of us, we're not in the same state. How can we get the best plan? There's so many loopholes and
1: obstacles. And And yearly, the laws change. These ladies stay up on every year what changes. I mean, I get frustrated just when my plan changes. Yeah. And I got to see the dollar difference. These ladies n- understand all the little small print that I can't read or I don't take the time to read.
0: Well, the terms and con- I've never I could never read the
1: terms and conditions. No. And I don't understand the words these ladies do. Yeah. Hundred percent. They, when the new laws come in, they get all the packets and they get retested for all of it. I mean, it's pretty amazing what they jump through to do on your behalf. And again, it's it's such it's amazing. It's a free service. I I don't get it. It baffles me. I mean, they it's a on true top non-profit. of all
0: the advocacy, they are also out there trying to get donor support and
1: hundred percent. They grants do.
0: and funds and.
1: Exactly. They do fundraisers. There's a couple things they do every year. A big fundraiser. Um, um, they're wait, They're trying to figure out what they're going to do for 2020 because they are making some changes. Um, but you can donate to them. You can uh, there's artists that just write checks. There's some artists that we do. They do a big heal the day. They pick one day out of the year where they'll call all the different booking agents, say, hey, on this day, can your artists, I mean, donate something? And some of the artists will donate all their proceeds of that show that day. Some artists just here will write a check. What do you need? I mean, five, ten. Some of them just give $500. Some of them give $100,000. I mean, it's, it's they just like, even a dollar. We don't care. Um, but they will never ask. If you call for their service, they'll never ask you for money. That's it. it again, I, I don't understand it. All I do is I see the love that Tatum and Sheila and all the ladies there that do. Um, well, knowing all the
0: good stuff they're doing, I will definitely be going tonight to make a donation to Mental Health Alliance dot
1: Music Health Alliance
0: Music Health Alliance dot I want to say either dot com or dot org. I'll uh, we'll have to get that one. Uh, so during lunch or during dinner, uh, Keith and I were talking about uh, all the things that they were doing and how much money they're saving people who just miss certain small print or certain loopholes, and uh, he was telling me that they're saving $50,000 for some people.
1: $50, million. 50 They do For million. 2019, they had saved over $50 million for their clients in either outrageous rates or different things. Um, but it's musichealthalliance.com. Music Got it. Is where they're at. Okay. And it's amazing every year that, do, that dollar figure – That they say, which means they're getting more and more clients Mm -hmm. every year. I mean, um, it doesn't matter if it's a musician, an artist, crew member. I mean, this is even TV folks, um, corporate folks. If you're in the music business, that's what they want to help.
0: That's amazing. It's really uh, refreshing to know there's people out there fighting for the people that need it the most.
1: Oh, Totally. I mean... They saw it. They, these people that started it were record execs that watched all these people write number ones and make millions as artists, and they've literally watched some of these folks lose everything, homes, everything because of our healthcare system in this country. And they just—they're trying to do their part to help. I mean, that's all I can say. I mean, they—they want to help.
0: That's great. So. Thank you so much for your time. I uh, I want you I want to assure everybody that we did talk about lighting before the podcast. Uh, we did all that stuff. We talked about all the lights that we love, and we had intended on doing some of that here, but uh, we kind of got on a tangent here because it's 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 so interesting to hear the stories that you've encountered on the road and the stuff that you've been through. It's. We, uh, we I would love to always talk about the puppies and rainbows and all the magical wonderful things that happen out on the road to us when we're when we're out and foot you know footloose and fancy free but sometimes we have to talk about the things that don't go our way and uh, this seems to be all, always the way that you and I end up talking
1: about yeah it's I mean thank you for having me it's it's an honor um, it's just this is my story I can't change it Um I'm hoping that if anything I do from my legacy would be I have my aunt, my word and my name, Integrity, left. And because so many people poured into my lives from a Peter Morris to Eric Wade, um, those two specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I get teary-eyed on either one of them. Um, it's crazy. Um, but they poured so much into me and all the other people that I've met along my way, Howard Ungleider is another um, I can truly call him my friend, and he's poured into my life. Him and his wife, um, the years I sk- spent on the road with them—it just, all these folks poured into me. If I can help one person, it's—I'm hoping I can give back anything that at least those three gentlemen and all these other folks that have poured into my life. Yeah, I mean,
0: those are three—one, those are three uh, mammoths of our industry, right there.
1: I couldn't be where I am because of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we be outside of the Vegas or whatever just as a, a board up or as a person. The integrity and the values I've learned from Peter, the talent and the skills of programming and how to work with a designer to an artist as a programmer and become your own right as a designer. Amazing. Dealing with Eric Wade and the legacy, I mean, of Howard. I mean, mm-hmm. this is enough. And I mean, like we just lost one of his tour family members recently in – how much? It didn't hit me until that loss was there. I was like, "Oh my goodness, what an amazing legacy that Howard's been a part of that has made who he is, mm-hmm. and he's poured into our lives, and it's it makes our world small." But because of our friendships that we build, like you and me, mm-hmm. and other people that through my lives, um, I'm hoping I can give back any of that. I mean, well, thank so you thank for doing you.
0: that. Absolutely, I hope that anybody's listening is uh, listening to these words of wisdom from uh, from a seasoned vet for sure. So, thank you so much, Keith. This has been a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Chris.